0: Hello everyone, it's your host here, Marcel. Last week, we hosted Inosanto Nagara and talked about some activist children's literature he's put out that's doing an amazing job of showing children what equity looks like at such a young age. If that sounds nice and fanciful, you should check out his books and also check out his interview in Chapter 2. Over the past two chapters, we've discussed public health and art in the form of literature, And being someone that's all about intersections, I was curious to see what it would look like to merge these sectors. So this week, I was on a quest to do just that. This week we'll be joined by Lisa McClymont, an artist who brings together these two realms through her work at Equitas Health. Before we begin, just a quick note, During the interview, Lisa does make reference to a Columbus-based LGBTQ group known as Stonewall Columbus, which, for context, is an organization whose goal it is to fight for tolerance, acceptance, and basic human rights for the LGBTQ community in Columbus and beyond. So, with that out of the way, sit back, enjoy, and I'll see you at the end of the episode. Welcome to Defining Equity, a show meant to center and celebrate those living at the margins. Today we're going to be having a conversation about the intersection of art and public health. So today we're joined by Lisa McClymont, who is an artist and also a graphic designer at Equitas Health, which is one of the nation's largest HIV, AIDS, LGBTQ health organizations based out of Columbus, Ohio. Lisa creates art not only for Equitus, but for various groups throughout Columbus that center women and Black creativity. And today, she'll be discussing not only art and public health, but art as public health. So without further ado, Lisa, everyone, how are you doing?
1: Wonderful. Thanks for having me. Of
0: course, of course. So, you know, just to kind of get us started, would you mind just like telling us all a little bit about yourself?
1: Well, I am Columbus-based, Manhattan-born. Both my parents are from Jamaica, which is important to my upbringing, feeling like Uh, Part of the margins, because I'm not I wasn't raised in American black culture. So it makes me quite alien in a lot of situations for the good and the bad of it. There's a lot of humor Mm -hmm. attached to that. I have identified as an artist for my whole life, but I only recently started making art in 2009 as a method to help my depression and save myself from deeper depression. I was really burned out from my career as a designer, Mm. giving my energy away. And since 2009, I've just committed myself to giving back to myself what they call feeding the well. Mm.
0: Got you. Cool. Thank you for sharing that.
1: When did you move to Ohio? Um, when I was in my teens, my uh, parents got divorced. Actually, it was earlier. It was around eleven, eleven years old. Me and my twin sister were set to live with my father, mm-hmm. and my mom was uh, left behind in New York. And then she ended up moving here, so now she's here with us.
2: Oh, cool.
0: Got you. Wait, so what kind of twin do you have? Fraternal. Oh my god, I also have a fraternal twin. Fun Seriously? fact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. Yeah. So, girl or boy?
1: Um, boy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear that's kind of rare, but I feel like that's what I, most of the twins I know mm-hmm. are fraternal with the same sex. Yeah. So are you and your are you and your twin really close? Yes. Well, closer now. We had the youth where we wanted to do our own things. Right.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> that is. I feel like I'm like still kind of going through that with my twin. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Like he's fine.
0: We just yeah. We're very much like like we're similar enough, but we definitely kind of have some as of, as of gotten older I've realized like I'm like oh we're actually like very different people like <laughs> in some pretty like yeah. fundamental ways. But he's fine. Yeah.
1: Cool. It's funny. We sound the same on the phone and we laugh the same but everything else is completely different. Mm-hmm. So I have our mom to thank for raising us and not making us dress the same and treating us like twins, but individuals.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. My parents eventually came around. They definitely were into the whole, like, <laughs> oh, like we're the same thing until I was like age six. And I was like, y'all, I can't do this. Like, like, I need, like, like, like I need to opt out. Like, honestly, this is awful. Um, I am a person. Yes. Right. Exactly. So before we dive into talking about your artistry and also talking about your role at Equitus, would you mind just giving us some more detail about you, the person? So like, what was your nature? like as a child but also maybe just like you know some of your hobbies growing up maybe a bit more information about your family stuff like that
1: I would say when I was younger I was very introverted Mm -hmm. I always was reading books or I carried around an entertainment bag with pencils and a pad so I could draw Mm -hmm. I was always doing one or the other or I was uh, wandering around in the backyard looking at plants
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's so cute (laughs)
1: And actually, a lot of the pictures that that I've seen of myself when I'm outside are in motion. So I was a very active kid, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I was very internal and bookish. Mm -hmm. And I think that influences who I am today. I don't read as much because I'm so digitally based, Mm -hmm. but um, I think the art kind of makes up for that. Got you. I came out when I was 19. Mm Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a social life in high school, <laughs> so everything kind of happened at once, and I figured out how to be a good friend, and I've, I've gotten to the point now in my life where I have a lot of chosen family, mm-hmm. more than born family, mostly because Jamaicans are kind of homophobic, so mm-hmm. I was black sheep for a long, long time, and thanks to Facebook, I, I'm i connected now to more family, and we get to know them, and they get to know me, but it was a loss for a few decades.
0: mm mm-hmm. Got you. In terms of, I guess, that rebridging process, was it kind of like folks reaching out to you, you reaching out to different people in your families?
1: I, to be honest, wrote off the majority of my family because they were, it was such a visceral reaction mm-hmm. when I thought I was just living my life and trying to be the best that I could be in my life, which is my whole self. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't accepted. So I left all of it behind and focused on my chosen family who have nurtured and supported me. And I'm really lucky to have had that because, you know, I could have been homeless. I could have been in a lot of worse situations. But mm-hmm. thanks to my mom nurturing an open heart, I think I'm able to connect to a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Coming out was hard, but now I find that there's more of uh, my cousins and the my age and younger that are reaching out to me. Mm-hmm. And I welcome it. The first few times, it was really surprising, and I thought, well, I just I thought that I wasn't supposed to exist, but Mm -hmm. now it's changing, and I'll go to the next reunion and be excited about it. (laughs) Got you. I'm I'm glad to hear that. I'm curious. How
0: did your twin react?
1: Well, I asked her not to tell. Of course, she was the first to know. Mm -hmm. And um, I asked her not to tell, and she proceeded to tell my mother. So... (sighs) um, I know I let her carry the weight of all of the questions like I thought I was a good parent like all the anger my sister carried all of it so she is still in my corner Mm -hmm. it was tough for a little while because for a while it was me my mom and my sister and a triad of three women is really emotionally tough
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so many strong personalities I'll say got you so my sister carrying the weight of helping my mom through all that. And I let her do it because that was the karma and going ahead and saying something that wasn't your business to say. Right. She helped her come around. And even though it put a strain on our youthful friendship, I think it really strengthened us as adults.
0: Got you. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. And so before we like really dive in, um, you know, I like to do, I guess, a little bit of an icebreaker type of question, you know, just kind of like have the folks at home get to know you. A little bit more. So I have three questions of which you can choose one to answer. (laughs) Or you can answer all three, whatever makes you feel the most like you. Okay. So question one, what was a dream you used to have all the time? Question two, who was your childhood best friend? And question three, how would a high school teacher describe you?
1: (laughs) The high school teacher one is easy. Mm. Um, Artistic, smart, and definitely shy. Mm Mm-hmm. The other one, I didn't have any best friends because we moved around a lot when I was little. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Until high school, I was never in one place more than a year Mm -hmm. or two, maybe half a year. But the dream I used to have that I haven't had in a while, the overall color of the dream was orange every single time. And there were like stairs on stairs.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Sort of like a 70s variety show. Hmm. And in my dream, it was a flying dream. I would fly to the top of the stairs and then the scene would change to a pool of water and I'd be flying over the water. Oh, wow. And it was a visually beautiful dream, but I'm not sure what it was trying to tell me. I don't know the symbology of it. Mm. And I don't dream it anymore, so I don't know what it means. Maybe it's growth. (laughs) 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 Wait, so like,
0: would you, you, you would just fly over the pool and then just like wake up? Like nothing ever happened after that?
1: It would kind of fade out it's just huh. like a dream of flying and boom wow wouldn't just wake up it would just i don't know if it would segue into another dream or it'd go into a deeper sleep but mm. from my memory those are the pieces that i had
0: yeah that's that's real yeah i yeah there's some dreams i've had where i'm like i should really really unpack that um but just haven't done that so <laughs> i'm, I'm <laughs> with you <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about your role at Equitas Health. Would you mind just describing what it is that you do?
1: I uh, like to say that I am the steward of the brand. I do all of the graphics, mostly the print. We have a, a web person that manages all the social media and all of the sites that we have for all our satellite programs, but I pretty much, if you see the logo, I had something to do with putting it there and putting the images in place. I recently um, have been doing work as a art director doing photo shoots, which is exciting. Wow! So we have some of our local citizens and clients representing us visually. So we're not using stock photos at the moment of any of the people, Mm -hmm. which I love from a graphic design perspective. It makes the I'll say the story more real for the rest of the community. It mm-hmm. doesn't feel it's fake. Right. But yeah, being at Equitas as a designer and focusing on my design talents there makes me feel good about the work that I do because I'm working for a health agency. Mm-hmm. But also it takes me, takes my personal time and allows me to put it into art making, which is, again, the thing that saves my life and is healing and is my meditation and all the good stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: Got you. Awesome. That's beautiful. How big is the team that you work with there?
1: I am the designer. Our marketing team is built of five people now. We do the media connection. So if there's ever anything about Equitas in the news, my team helps with that. And it's a lot of times in front of the camera, like my boss, Joel Diaz, is the one who leads the team and he'll usually be in the media in the face of the camera, because he's very photogenic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then my coworker, Alyssa, is his second. So you might see a beautiful blonde lady who is also representative of Equitas Health on our team. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, we serve the whole state and we're starting to creep into Kentucky and West Virginia, I believe, mm-hmm. to provide services on the border close to the towns in Ohio. So it's pretty Mm -hmm. exciting to see the growth happening in this organization, especially when I started, we were AIDS Resource Center, or ARC Mm -hmm. Ohio, AIDS Resource Center Ohio, where the work was specifically focused on people living with HIV or affected by HIV and LGBTQ populations. Now Equitas has widened it, so we provide services to anyone in the state. Mm -hmm. So with the stuff going on with medical In the government and for personal rights, Equitas is trying to fill that space where there's almost like a medical desert, a health desert. Mm -hmm. So I think it's interesting to see where we'll go in the next year or so. And I'm learning a lot about all of the levels of that because, again, I'm an artist and a designer. I'm coming at it from that perspective and trying to communicate those principles when I don't know a whole lot about the depth of the medical industry.
0: Got you. Cool. Interesting. So I'm curious, like, what got you, like, into this work?
1: Into um, Equitas Health work? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Volunteerism. I had spent my time trying to pursue success as a designer with corporate entities, and I tried to stay away from the pharmaceutical industry and industries that I felt didn't visually or even behind the scenes support people like me, Mm -hmm. gay, black, At the time, I was a really poor lesbian. So I really just focused my energy on supporting my circles. Mm -hmm. And it ended up being that I would, because they couldn't afford to hire a designer, a lot of times I would cut my teeth on volunteering to do layout work for a lot of the nonprofits. So it helped me develop a level of empathy and care to help my community as opposed to just trying to make money. Right. And I feel like that's what the belief in that helped get me referrals to get me into Equitas Health. I hadn't Mm -hmm. had a jobby job for probably 20 years before I jumped Mm -hmm. into this. And me being older now, I thought I was settled enough and not getting enough freelance that I could focus on this job. And luckily for me, they allowed what I proposed. I actually applied for part-time And I Mm -hmm. was splitting the position with a good friend of mine. So we both got hired and they instantly had a really strong design team. And my friend has since moved on and he started an art studio that I'm a part of, a collective that I'm a part of. And I took on full time work with Equitas. Got you. Got you. Cool. It's been a journey. And if more businesses could do that, they could on ramp more and build stronger employees if they were able to start part-time for those that aren't able to do that for someone like me it worked out perfect and I think there, I suspect there's more people like me that wouldn't that aren't taking full-time jobs because they're scared that it, it won't work out right they just need time to grow into it got you got you
0: and I'm curious so it sounds like growing up you used to do a lot of like sketching and things like that yeah I guess what is your artistic repertoire look like now? And what was your training process? Training, I say very informally, just like in general, I guess like your artistic growth, I should say.
1: It's still training, but I am self-taught in mm. my art approach. And I went to school, I have a degree in design. So while I was in the art art room most of the time in high school, exploring and uh, learning layering concept, I Ended up going for design because since I wasn't going to be a lawyer in the medical field, I could convince my family that I could make a living as a designer. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So I think my focus and my desire for research and all of that was nurtured in design school. And I was able to turn that focus around and look at art in a new light and really push to get some of the imagery that I was looking for. And it's funny because I, when I was younger, I was doing a lot of figurative work and portraiture. But when I recommitted to doing art, I stayed away from figurative, like drawing faces and bodies and hands. Mm-hmm. I did mostly abstract, thinking about concepts and studying color and the emotion of color, which is therapeutic. And, you know, as part of the work that I was doing, volunteering for other organizations is Promoting a feeling of safety and strength and love and looking at color theory is one way to do that people People attached certain emotions to color and they may not even know why but there's there's definite theories around it
0: Wow, would you mind diving? I guess just providing an example
1: Well, if you um, were to study the chakras for example, you know the points where the new age population might study for meditation or yoga, there's something to it for everybody, whether or not they're focused on it. So I'll start with the communication area, which is your throat. Mm -hmm. That's blue. And the top of your head is white and your brain, your thinking, your vision is purple. And as you work your way down, you're working down to the root and that's red and that's safety. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really interesting. Wow. Lots of information you can find, but if you look up the chakras, color and meaning, you'll find a lot of really great info.
0: Good to know. Good to know. Thank you. And so you've been doing art and this kind of work for a really long time. What keeps you motivated, I guess, in times where you might feel like, you know, I've been doing this for a really long time, or you may feel discouraged, or even just like overall, like what kind of keeps you motivated uh, to do this work?
1: Well, the um, design work, like I said, I got burnt out. So I was able to push for a while. Every new project is a new opportunity to learn something. But I approach, I approach everything I do that way. So mm-hmm. for me, the art feeds me in a way where I can learn something, but I'm also creating something that is self-driven. No one assigned it to me. I'm not being paid necessarily to do it. I'm choosing to promote this thought right in this moment and mm-hmm. the process of creating that and what discoveries I make in that pretty much drive me to, to get to the start of the project What drives me is what's happening politically, right? I'm a bleeding heart. I'm so connected to everything like the happenings in the world from the environment to animals to the poor to the elderly, you know, it's just, I'm affected so much by all of that, that art is my way to deal with it. Mm -hmm. So when I start to feel depressed or a little anxious, I'll find a way to make some things Mm -hmm. and it helps.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's, I mean, that's real. With everything going on, you definitely kind of need, you know, I guess like your coping or just like something that kind of helps you to get through all of this.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Another one is gardening. Mm. I've forced myself to learn plants and get down and by hand pull roots and learn about what happens in the yard. And that's also a meditative, creative process. Mm. Interesting.
0: Do you have a favorite
1: plant? Hmm. Well, uh, right now I'm loving the echinacea coming up, but peonies and poppies might be my absolute favorites. Mm -hmm. Love them. Gotcha. And trees, Mm -hmm. I love trees. Uh, Me too. My dream is to have a studio in a treehouse.
2: Wait,
0: that's
1: (laughs) (laughs) so much. That's oh my god! Wow,
0: that is that's amazing. What? Um, But yeah, if that like when that comes to fruition, please let me know. I'd love to visit it. Um, Yes. So I'm curious, how has your identity as an artist changed through time?
1: It's helped me build confidence. and mm-hmm. Actually, you know, being a designer helped me, build, forcing myself to work directly with clients as a freelancer forced me out of my shell and helped me learn how to speak with clarity. Mm-hmm. And art helps me do that visually. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely say art has helped me be more confident, which helps me speak up more right. as opposed to... What translates into being apathetic, basically shrugging your shoulders and saying there's nothing I can do about it, and then putting my head down and keeping to myself, mm-hmm. which I believe is a lot of my youth. Even though I, you know, I marched with ACT UP and I was a founding member of Queer Nation here in Columbus in the early 90s, I was not a leader, and I don't see myself as a leader now, but I'm definitely more vocal about my rights and the rights of people in my community that are being ignored.
0: That's real. Earlier, you mentioned that things that are happening politically and just kind of like what's naturally going on in nature sort of inspire you to make art. Was there any person in particular that inspired you growing up or inspires you now?
1: Well, I always loved Frida Kahlo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Georgia Oakey. Mm-hmm. And Alice Walker. She was wonderful in my formative years. Mm-hmm. Now I would say Octavia Butler, uh well, last two being writers, mm-hmm helped me see life in new layers. You don't know what you don't know. Right. And as you're growing up, if you're not reading and learning and asking questions and looking around, you are living in a bubble and you, you work from that. And I feel like my youth was a lot of working from the bubble. And the friends that I made in college helped me go beyond that, which, you know, if you don't go to college, that's something you're definitely missing out is the network that you might carry with you and mm-hmm. well into adulthood. So if you don't go to college, because right now I don't believe it's worth going to college they gouge you,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you should definitely push yourself. I would tell any young person this, you should push yourself to find networks around your interests so you can learn about the process in a proper way, learn the terminology, and meet people who are doing similar things so you can connect and, and potentially get work as you grow. So it's all connected for sure.
0: That's real. So, you know, I guess sort of like fusing these discussions on you as an artist and you as a public health agent aren't necessarily extricable. But I'm just curious, more theoretically, what utility does art bring to the table, both in terms of like communication, like of health information, but also just like sort of and like I know you sort of mentioned this earlier, but like kind of healing and things like that.
1: hmm. I truly believe that art made intentionally because you don't just fall into something mm-hmm. and then change the world. Art made intentionally can help move people, mostly because they might be thinking in one certain track and a keyword or the way an image is put together might help them see it Mm. from a different perspective. That's always my hope, especially in focusing now on doing work
2: with Mm.
1: people of color. I've committed, if I'm going to do people, I try to make sure that they're people of color, unless it's a commission, Mm. because that's different, but um, I try to make sure those people of color... So. People like myself can see positive representations mm. of ourselves in art, in the gallery, on the street, you know, whether it's a public mural or a restaurant that's mm. displaying art. We all need to see more positive representations. Two years ago, I kicked off my series by um, choosing to focus on finding ways to bring emotions mm. to life. So I you know, I chose to do um, a really angry black woman, that's stereotypical black woman. And then I do a lot of peaceful figures, almost ethereal, meditative or loving. That's the core of the work, happiness and love. But then the other sides of the emotions, discontent, worry, anger. I'm also finding ways into my work to do that as opposed to showing someone on a noose or someone being shot. Like I don't do zombie art or vampires or anything violent my reaction is to make art to heal Mm -hmm. the violence. So if I'm doing anger, the title has something to do with maybe a news story or a base principle or assumption about Mm -hmm. black people. And then from there, it's me trying to make a statement. So for me, it's healing in that sense because I get that thought out and I don't have to try to journal about it or talk about it and then lose it because no one's listening. And it's, that ends up only being Mm -hmm. for me. And I, you know, I drone on on Facebook about lots of issues and it just wears people out. They don't want to talk about it, but they'll look at art and they can appreciate it. Whether they walk away and get the message, the the deeper message that I'm giving after that, I don't, you know, I can't really care about that. My hope is that they, they Mm -hmm. look deeper if they're drawn into the image that they connect to it. And then they look deeper and learn more about that thought or learn more about me as an artist and see that I'm trying to do this thing. I usually can get buy-in.
0: Wow that's really interesting huh thank you for sharing that because yeah like as I'm thinking about it I mean especially when you I guess like just in general kind of respond to upsetting things in like media or society etc there's like, like there's like so many ways of like expressing that and so like I know for me personally like I you know I like to journal I like to like kind of just write things out but like I mean, the way you're able to kind of put words together, I mean, it's like a sort of like a finite medium. You know, there's only so many
1: words and there's only so many ways you can put words together. Whereas like with artists... But you can say that about visual art because there's only so many colors right. and there's so many positions that you can, you know, like... But ultimately, you are making a connection with the world through some form of expression. I would hope that everybody does that, but not everybody does that. The people that don't do it might be attracted to a certain medium like like your writing or my Mm. visual art and find peace or a way through their own depression or apathy just by absorbing what you're putting out. Human human connection is what we're all looking for.
0: That's real. So it sounds like just like with the things that you create, like there's obviously a lot of kind of like personal connection to it. Would you say that that's the case for most of the artistic pieces or events that you put together there's always kind of yourself in it or is it there... yes
1: it's it's not believable to me unless i put myself in it and i've seen that i've had multiple pieces in shows where i put them in groups and i put my all into a piece and i might mark it mm-hmm. not for sale everybody is drawn to the piece that sparkles and mm. they can feel it so i've come to i need to put that into everything that i do and i think that's what makes me successful now as a designer it it definitely gotcha. feeds it personal is political,
0: <laughs> very real. Uh, <laughs> so I guess kind of just like wrapping up this discussion on the intersection of like art and public health. How would you say that your work contributes to health equity?
1: For me, it is in search of ways to help people connect within themselves and reach out to connect to others. Mm. As far as health equity, that's still kind of loose to me. Is that equal? Treatment yeah. equity? Or is that importance, weight of importance to you?
0: I would say it's a bit of both. The way I usually define health equity is when you look at the simplest definition is like when you look at various healthcare institutions, ensuring that there's like sort of an equitable range of folks being able to access said institutions. But I would kind of challenge that definition and go further to say that you know health equity also just encompasses essentially creating a society that like allows for good health outcomes both like not only physically but also like mentally so ensuring that people have access to you know like good food like mental health services like access to various services to like live their best lives and just sort of doing work to kind of create that reality for people
1: i love all of that and i know the core of my work is pushing Mm -hmm. for that core of all of my work what brings me to the table as a designer is Mm -hmm. that equity to push to not convince others that we are equal, but to say that we are to make that statement. We are equal and you just need to Mm. give us space, not just for your friends and family. It's for all the people in your community deserve that same equal access. That's real.
0: So... Moving away from the discussion to a certain extent and just kind of like refocusing on, I guess, to talking more about you, I'd love to hear about some of the things that you're involved with outside of your work with Equitas.
1: So, the recent developments, I don't know how in tune you are, if you've seen any news stories about Columbus Pride and the event that mm-hmm. happened. Would you mind giving some context for folks who may be unfamiliar? I sure will. Um, during Pride, which is like the biggest party, happy rainbow love party. In Columbus, it's been my favorite event in Columbus for many, many, many years. This year, there were four people arrested. I believe they lined up in protest with nine other people. They were young, black, LGBT, and then some. I hate to say allies, but uh, supporters. Like they weren't, they weren't gay necessarily. Mm-hmm. They were truly family, chosen family mm-hmm. of the trans people that were there. They were there protesting the Philando Castile. Mm. verdict that happened the day before, but they were also protesting in speaking up for trans, black trans and the lack of compassion Mm -hmm. in the community. There was a lot of layers, but all came down to black lives matter. Right. So this being a pride originally starting as a protest, black lives matter. Columbus came to this traditional protest to do their own protest. And instead of just getting arrested, which I think that they expected to be arrested, they were also beat down. And I just I'm just going to say it that way. There's videos out there and some people have justified it that, you know, the police were doing their job. It's a it's a thin line for me. The police, they gave them 23 seconds and instantly went to violence. So to me, there's no gray area. They did wrong and they need to own up to it but they're not going to own up to it because they feel they're in the right. They're about to the support. Anyway, that happened and it shifted my focus. Me being focused on caring of my community and being out and trying to create a healthy world for myself and others like me in the community has helped me see that I need to be a part of some other groups to try to make some sort of a change. So I've joined some of these conversations around race and the gay community and I'm a part of this group that uh, has just launched. We are Blackout and Proud, mm. and we're not sure if we're gonna be Blackout and Proud Columbus or Blackout and Proud Collective, but the core of the name is that. And that's because some of the group, some older members in our group don't feel comfortable with queer. I identify as queer, mm-hmm. but I mm. understand the history bothers some people, so while more than half of our group were fine with having queer in the name, we ended up being Blackout and Proud, because we don't want to be so political that we're pushing people away. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to use queer in our name because then that states our position and puts some framework around what we're trying to say. So it'll be interesting to see how this specific group comes up and out. But um, that's one thing. Before I got into that community and political discussion and committing to being a steering member of the group, I have been a steering member of a lot of art groups. So my activism has come out as a member of uh, Creative Arts of Women, The Art and Artists Of, which is an online Facebook group. I was a starting member of that. Mm-hmm. But now it's over 10,000 members Oh wow! throughout the state. It's a pretty amazing group of very supportive, very vocal artists who share their work and everything. Mm-hmm. And then there was also the Creative Women of Color so for me, part of the work that I'm doing also still includes a level of volunteerism, but I'm just being really focused on where, where I put that energy. So I still have time to make my work.
0: Right.
1: So it's, it's really great. But I think right now I'm primarily driven by what happened at pride mm-hmm. and trying to be part of the conversation that could make a difference.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Cause I walked away, you know, Stonewall in Columbus is connected to the history of the larger Stonewall, the Stonewall riots. But um, they haven't demonstrated welcoming people of color to the table. Mm -hmm. And years ago, I saw that and I just left and I didn't say anything. And I've just been living my life and doing other queer related things in the community and supporting the community in different ways and just pretty much not being involved in Stonewall. And then there was this um, amazing woman who joined Stonewall, Lori Mm Gum brought me back to the table. She had me looking at it in a whole new light. And then pride happened and Lori was trying to get them to make a statement. And in the end, she left her job because they were so frozen and not knowing what to do or how to address it and not being willing to look at where they stood in their privilege as white gay people and and own what they've done to the races in our community. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: If they can't get to that, and I hope they can. I mean, I think it's still possible. There's lots of white people who who own that that I know. So I think it's possible to do that. It's just going to take a while because privilege is deep. It runs deep. And it's hard to own it, especially if you are part of some of the marginal group, like if you're poor
2: mm-hmm.
1: or if you're a woman, it's hard to see as a white person that you are part of the system that keeps a large chunk of the community down. Right. Hard to own that and hard to admit it and hard to talk to others about it. Yeah. So the four that got arrested, I've been calling it, they've ripped a bandaid off a really, really deep wound that's still festering. Mm -hmm. And while their situation needs specific focus, the larger thing that they're looking at also needs focus. And there's a lot of depth to talk about. So I I definitely want to be there for some part of this conversation with the rest of the community. Got to. Are the four still in jail? No, they got out okay. that weekend because there was—I uh, think one of them was still in jail two days later. They're all out now, and there's still debate on whether or not charges will be filed because, of course, they arrested only the black folks in the group that went out there because it was a mix of lots of different people that went out really? to protest. Really,
0: wow! But it was hmm.
1: for black folks that got arrested, and. Some people just have justified it. They did wrong. They deserve to be arrested. But to me, they don't deserve to be beat down the way they did. So we'll see what happens. I'm not sure. Wow. But uh, they they have a list of demands that have been shared. They have a Facebook page that promotes that. And Stonewall has not met any, any one of the demands. Mm-hmm. The biggest one being condemn the police, which is loaded for me. I'm still trying to define what that means. I'm coming around to saying, you don't condemn the police, but maybe their radius is outside of the pride event because their presence is so volatile. Mm-hmm. I don't think realistically, the police can't be at a, any event where there's more than a thousand people clustered mm-hmm. with all the bomb threats and all this stuff going on, because someone it turns out they were joking, but someone put a joke like about, I hope they're bombed at Pride this weekend. So the police were on watch. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. It, it's just Columbus, Ohio, in the Midwest. You wouldn't think all this stuff would go down, but who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then the following weekend, uh, I think it was Toronto or maybe it was Portland. They had a pride march and the Black Lives Matter protests, which they were protesting a similar thing. They got their time. They were not beat down. They were given the space because all our people were asking for it was seven minutes of silence. To commemorate the the people who died, that's all they wanted twenty three seconds into those seven minutes they were asking for, they were pushed down and beat and arrested. Wow, I know it's deep, I'm so angry about it yeah that oh god, that's just
0: if anything, it really just. It just kind of illustrates exactly the necessity of a protest like that. Like yeah, you know what I mean, like it's just like like it's unfortunate that that had to be sort of demonstrated so widely in front of like a huge yeah. congregation of people. But at the same time, like I'm sure like the protesters there were looking at like like how pride in a lot of ways yeah is sort of like a white gay celebration
1: right and a perfect place to make a statement right protest. On the heels of a protest, mm-hmm. which, you know, pride in Columbus is no longer a protest thing. It's a party. Yeah. I ex- said that already. Exactly. But um, for them, traditionally, you know, black trans kicked off Stonewall riots. Mm-hmm. It, they, they are within their rights to speak up as citizens.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I don't, you know, we shouldn't even have to debate that. Right. But here we are, you know, with some of our, our white citizens debating that. Mm-hmm. We've just decided to, that these four black people are in the wrong and they deserve everything they got. Wow. I know. I'm like, if you could live in empathy, you would never, you would never believe something like that. Exactly. So I push for empathy, mm-hmm. do that in my art, doing that as a designer and trying to connect with other people who believe the same. Yeah. That's all you can do right now.
2: That's real. That's real.
0: <laughs>
1: and thank you for, you know, your part in the effort and the struggle, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm older and I have to step up and do something. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh so i guess you talked a little bit about this earlier just with the gardening and everything but how do you self-care like outside of all of the action all of the art and all of the personal investment like how do you take a step back in like self-care and like in that what are some of your guilty pleasures like outside of all of this work
1: okay so i'll start with the guilty pleasure that would be bourbon with some cardamom bitters and three ice cubes. <laughs> oh my God, that's so <laughs> <laughs> um, Popsicles are also a guilty pleasure. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and then the other pleasures, again, are gardening. Mm. I have a really wonderful partner who's really supportive. And we have a dog and a cat. <laughs> and my new niece. So those are my pleasures. They keep me sane and keep me fighting. So cute. I know. And, you know, the other thing that's interesting as to what's going on right now, especially in Columbus, between the races, is my partner is white. Mm -hmm. So for me to be making statements and pushing for the rights of black people, I'm finding it interesting because I'm meeting a lot of black gay people who only exclusively deal with other black gay people. Mm -hmm. So like the group I'm in, Black Out and Proud, is discussing a black pride and me and one other member are like, so are our partners welcome to come? I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Right. But, uh, <laughs> I feel very lucky in having a partner that I can talk about the depths of these things and have some understanding because she grew up in a culture in high school and in elementary school where she it, she took for granted the, all the the black people in her school Mm -hmm. she ran with them you know grew up her best friend was black like she has a blacker upbringing than i than i did so it's really interesting talking with her and watching watching what's happening in our current world Mm -hmm. so i feel pretty lucky about it actually yeah because we go back and talk to the rest of the members of this black queer community with some depth that's just not my perspective it's it's a wider you know i have lots of white friends and i have lots of black friends and everything in between Mm -hmm. so it's been interesting 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 also i'm just kind of curious how did y'all meet the two of you uh through an art group (laughs) surprise surprise (laughs) (laughs) she does ceramics and um installation art and is also a very 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 good drawer Mm -hmm. wow do y'all do art together Yes, we are collaborating on some projects and we share a space in the studio I was talking about.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Blockfort is a collective of, I want to say, 16 artists.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we have a, a space in the building together that we showcase our art in. Mm-hmm. So I make jewelry too. I haven't in about a year because I've been focusing on being a visual artist in the art making sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But she has her ceramics on sale there and... Uh, I have a lot of prints. Got you. It's a good solid group. A good mixed solid group. Gay, straight, black, white, male, female. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's kind of the world we want. We want more of that. So we're putting it out
0: there as a group. I like that. I like that. What's something that you wish more people knew about you?
1: Hmm. I'll say that um, I wish they knew more that I knew more about the world than just Columbus, Ohio, because I've lived in Columbus so long, I think that people make assumptions that it's all I know.
0: Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, based on who you are as a child, would you say that the person you are now is, like, pretty in line with, like, the person you thought you would be
1: then? Yes. To a T. That's amazing. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I am still a child at heart, so I embrace it. And I have gone through changes, but the core of me feels like the same thinking of when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Still trying to piece things together, still trying to live in love, and trying to connect to my world in a really real real way Mm -hmm. got you that's awesome and i guess speaking in the same vein of
0: a younger version of yourself if you could go back and say something to like you as a child what
1: would that be hands down talk more share more i was so introverted i was completely frozen i -hmm. could not do anything with anybody Mm -hmm. so I would push myself to be out there more. My mother is also very introverted and very private, and i that's rubbed off on me. Mm-hmm. So I i keep her in mind as I push myself out in the world. I i accepted this interview because I, I have her in my mind. Like, I don't want to be so closed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I share a lot on social media because I don't want to be so closed. Like, you can know all this stuff about me, so it's out of the way when we meet in person and we can actually talk about something.
0: Right. That's beautiful. So those are pretty much all of my question. Do you have, I guess, any final words before we wrap up?
1: Yes. My favorite phrase, live in love. Do not dismiss chances to empathetically affect the world of someone you don't know. Mm -hmm. I think that would be a great, solid statement. Yeah. You never know when speaking up about what affects you can help other beings. And I've only learned that because of my social media statements and people coming back or they run into me and they say, wow, what you share. And I, I never even thought about that way. It's just been fascinating, and it it encourages me to keep sharing.
0: That's awesome. I love that.
1: Ah, uh, what a great
0: note to end on. Well, <laughs> Lisa, thank you so much. Where can we where can we connect with you?
1: Instagram for sure. Mm-hmm. I share quite a bit there. My Facebook profile is public. Most of my posts are public, so you can get to know me there and connect with me there. Mm-hmm. I will delete you if you're going to be mean. <laughs> Fair. I do curate my pages because mm-hmm. I don't want any hate on my pages, but I've, I've never seen it. Honestly, I've gotten some really direct questions that are a little uncomfortable, but then we wake our way through and we have a discussion and it's good. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm there for. So I welcome it to a certain point. But if you're there to just create problems, then you will be gone. Right. Because my page is public, and I'm not trying to be attacked by anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, like, not the best look. Um (laughs) Gotcha. And what's your, I guess, what are your
0: Facebook and Instagram handles?
1: Lisa McCliment. So, L-I-S-A-M-C-L-Y-M-O-N-T is my Instagram. Mm -hmm. And you can find me on Facebook. I I don't have any fake names, because I want people to learn how to spell my name. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So... You get to find me, that's how you have to spell it. But yeah, I should come up if you search that on Instagram and Facebook. Got you.
0: Perfect. Awesome. And I'll be sure to link your social media in the description of this episode. So yeah, so thank you so much, Lisa, for this riveting and very interesting conversation about just art in general and kind of like the role it has in our lives. I feel like personally, and I can just reflect on my own upbringing, I wish that art was sort of a more highlighted subject and I feel like it hasn't been until more recently that I've kind of
1: really dived into that so I could make a whole statement on public school or schools in general not valuing the arts Mm -hmm. and I grew up in a family that didn't value the arts so I'm amazed I'm kind of a black unicorn in that sense in my family
0: (laughs) 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 that's real so I really do appreciate this and I think that yeah discussions like this really have the potential to really just highlight like the necessity of art because like literally art is everywhere and it's just it, it just it's so surprising that people still have their biases against it but you know we'll get there yeah. one day yeah um, we
1: will get there yes. we're getting there yes it's we happening. are yes
0: <laughs> yes but thank you so much thank you and yeah i i guess i'll see y'all next week
1: yes i
0: hope you enjoyed lisa's creativity and her world of art and if you're in the columbus area be on the lookout for her and support her additional work with creative women of color and creative arts of women. Also, if you have any questions or thoughts on the episode, feel free to get in touch with us at at gmail.com. Next time, we'll be taking a bit of a detour to start having some population-specific discussions. You won't want to miss it.